Hey everyone, welcome to She Brigade the Podcast. I'm your host, Bilun Klimsimech. On each episode, we bring you amazing trailblazing women to come share with you their life and career journeys, from entrepreneurs to nine to fivers and everyone in between. Our guests go through all of the highs and all the lows of this life journey that have brought them to being who they are today. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of She Brigade. Today, I'm really excited today because we have someone who is just, I feel is incredible. We have the award-winning sports broadcaster, Mutsidisi Mohono. Mutsidisi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And say hello to everybody who is listening. I am so excited to have you on. Um, I mean, you were the first woman to anchor a rugby cup final. Like, (laughs) that's incredible. Yeah. Um, You have won so many awards for the work that you've done in the sports journalism industry. And, And I mean, if we're being honest, we don't really see a lot of women like you in this space. So I'm so excited to get into your story. Okay. So let's so on the podcast we start all the way from the beginning, right? Yeah. So take us all the way back, 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 back to when you were growing up, your upbringing, your schooling, and your childhood. So I am Mutirisimo Hono, born and bred in Katlehong on the East Rand, Kikasi K one stand up. Like a normal childhood, you know. I was. If you didn't find me at home, I was in the streets playing with the other kids, Mkusha, Skipini, Martini, Chicago. Like, we just love being outside and having a good time with my siblings and my friends. And uh, at school, I was quite the overachiever, (laughs) I think. A very smart kid, but I got involved in sports um, and in culture as well. I stayed for singing the choir, doing poetry. Um, I, I did debate in high school as well, played netball in primary school, played hockey in high school as well as netball. I went to Alberton Primary, which is an Alberton, uh, a brilliant school that, you know, started to mold this young mind of mine. And then I went to Marifalun, uh High School. It was a dual medium school, a uh, real shock to the system, but um um, after after a while, you come around, you know, and you get used to the high school side of life. Yeah, but mm. I'd, I had, um, it, you know, like maybe at that time and in hindsight, I realized that I had a, a, um, a fairy tale upbringing. I had both my parents um, in a working class environment, in a working class family. And um, for as long as I can remember, anything I needed, I had anything I wanted, I could get. So, um, mm. it was, it was, it was, it was lovely. It was a lovely childhood. High school is probably where things started to, um, change a little bit just because of our family dynamic. My mom went to work overseas. So, uh, my dad essentially stepped in to be mom and dad, which was very challenging for him and ended up being quite challenging for us as well in finding a new balance in her absence. Um, yeah, but you, you have to make it work, you know, in the end, I was still an overachiever. So I got my things right and, um, (laughs) went on to study at the university of Johannesburg where I studied accounting. Funny enough. (laughs) Um, yeah. How did that happen? I actually read about (laughs) that. How did that, like, cause you, you played sports in, well, in, in school, um, but 
what what did you want to be did you want to be into sports or accounting how no, did that no. happen um so i grew up wanting to be my mom basically i wanted to be a hybrid ah. of my mom hono uh but i remember we went to visit my daddy was in the hospital i was in grade seven and the um, the the aroma of the hospital you know, and I can even hear the heart monitors and mm. like, it just freaked me out. I was like, there's no way I can mm. work here. I would never survive. There's blood, you know, the, the, <laughs> it just, it's cool. I know. Lights are bright. <laughs> you know, it's not inviting, you know, uh, it, and yeah. I realized like, no, no, it's not going to happen. Mm-mm. Leave that alone. You know, and then, um, I mean, I was great with numbers. Uh, at some point, I still wanted to do something in biology, but I ended up settling with accounting because I was really good at accounting. So I decided to study that. I want to be an accountant, make money, take care of my family, take care of my parents. So that's what I decided to study at the University of Johannesburg. But if you go to UJ or I believe any university, really, in your first year, in my first year, I had a lot of off time. Like I had a lot of yeah. time where it was just idle and I was doing nothing. And I was like, no, man, this is not good. Like, I'm going to just get up to nonsense. Idle time is not good for my mind. And that's when uh, I heard that they were having auditions at UJFM. And it was a rock station then. So got there, did a link, linking in and out of a Rihanna track, I think. Um, uh-huh. And clearly I was not it because they were not Team Rihanna at the time. Uh, but they made <laughs> a, a news bulletin and I read it. And they were like, oh, you sound great. Um, can you come in on Monday? I beg your pardon. And then I started working from that Monday reading news on breakfast. Um, then I heard YFM was looking for weekend newsreaders. So this was 2007 in August when I started at UJFM. And then I joined um, YFM in April 2008. And it's so weird because even when I went to go and speak to the editor at Y, Zugile Majova, he was like, why do you want to read news? I'm like, I just want to make money. I want to take myself off of my uh, mom and dad's hands financially. I want to be able to stand on my own two feet. Um, give me this opportunity. I had never been in a newsroom. I was not studying journalism. I did numbers and theory all day long. And here I was, I just turned, what, 19? And I was like, dude, give me a job. And he did. He took a chance. Mm. And and the YFM newsroom really was where I learned everything that I know about journalism, about the integrity of writing and about and more about sport because we were such a young newsroom that everybody had some sporting affiliation, football in particular, and we'd banter about it all the time. And even then I was still not my mind had not gotten to a place where I thought I can be a sports presenter. Yeah. Yeah. So like you were just doing this as something on the side, as an extra income stream, just to like, you know, keep you afloat and, you know, get you a little, bo- a little bit more independent. You, when did you fall in love with this world? Uh, I was reading Weekend News, I think by weekend number four. I was like, this is it. Oh, wow. Okay. I I love this. I love being on air. I love preparing stories. I love learning because um, I spend quite a bit of time falling on my face, getting things wrong. (laughs) I was frustrated. Yo, Frads, Pelo. Learning something new, Pelo. Learning something new is 
is is it's so it's so difficult especially when you are when you have been such a brilliant student you know you can't mm. imagine that you can't get it right it just it, it, you can't reconcile it you know and it took yeah like time. what is going on <laughs> it took me a long time to realize that men the more you fail the more you're learning the better you're getting you know, I had to get past yes. my frustrations. I had to take my emotion out of it and realize that I'm learning every single day that I shop in this newsroom. I'm getting better and better and better. Um, but when I really, really knew is the end of that year, I had failed four modules, second semester modules. Uh, this is second year accounting, mind you. So tax was tax really kicked my butt. Um, financial management. You know the works, and um, already midway through the year, my my lecturer was like, "Hey, I don't see this uh, CA stream, girl. We need to recalibrate, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. <laughs> Let's think of another plan. This one is, is paying attention to other things, and at the end of the year, it failed four modules, and I was devastated. I really was. I remember going home and having to tell my dad, my mom, my parents, but my dad in particular, and I remember he said you are like the A student, you know, you're the student that balanced schoolwork and, and playing sports and this and that. So why is this different? You know, where's your time? Mm. Where is the balance? You need to find your balance. He never asked me to quit. And, and I, and I, Oh, I am in awe of my parents for that. They never said quit. You know, I'd always be broken, call home, and my dad would be like, hey, 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 what's the radio? What's with CDC, you know? But even then, <laughs> they never asked me to quit. They never expected that of me. And I was, I was, I'm very, very glad that they didn't. Instead, they were like, find the balance. If you love this Raoukla, but you're in school, you're studying this thing, finish so that you have this, you know? But continue pursuing your passion but there's got to be a middle ground there's got to be perfect balance and mm. that's what I had to learn to do so the failure ended up being one of the best things to ever happen to me because I also realized that I could no longer define myself by Mutsidisi the brilliant student you know my 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 definition of myself had to come from within I had to be still I had to still think highly of myself even when I fail um so that was a huge learning curve as well. And, and, and the lesson in managing my life, having the perfect balance between work and school and friends. And I didn't always get it right even after that, but it got a lot better, a lot, lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, did you finish varsity? You finished varsity. <laughs> yeah, I got my undergrad. Woo. Got your undergrad and you were still working in radio. Yeah. While you were finishing up your degree, right? Yeah. So, post when now when now when you're finishing varsity, like what was the next step for you? Was it okay? I'm gonna now move, move into this passion of mine, or let's try out the accounting thing. So, no. Um, 2009. I was certain I would never work in accounting. I was <laughs> certain that I am doing this just because I want to finish and I want to learn and I still want to be able to manage my money um, wherever it is that I go. Um, but I, I was certain that th this, this, 
this is not going to be my nine to five. I loved radio way too much to give it up to do accounting, you know, and I'm mm. so grateful that God just made sure that I veered off that road and stumbled upon broadcasting and radio in particular, because looking back, I don't think I would be a very happy accountant. I'd be very mm. good at it. I'd be brilliant at it, but I don't think I'd be happy doing it, you know? So by yeah. 2009, I, I was sure. I was like, no, we, we, we're studying because we have to. Um, but but it, it's not necessarily something that I'm going to do full time. Yeah. And and what was your, what was it like moving into like the working independent world now out of varsity? <sighs> Even in varsity, it was nice, you know. Especially as a um, and, and you just rely on nobody. It gets you out of so much filth, actually, uh, because you decide, you know, you don't have to mm-hmm. work with anybody else. You don't need a lift from anybody. You don't have to ask anybody for anything. Um, you, it's you, you decide you want to go shopping, go shopping. want to go buy groceries, go ahead. want to go to have some drinks with the girls, go have some drinks with the girls, pay the bill if you can, you know. A money independence. Mm. And even if it's not a lot, I mean, I was making what, 3,000 Rand when I started working at Y. But for a student, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And it, it, it got me by, but it gave me the sense of, you got this. It gives you, it, it, it gave me confidence. It gave me confidence that, you know, I can handle myself, you know, and I can run my life. And I, we, were, I, we were kids, 19, 20. But already then I had a sense of independence. I'd always been an independent kid, but now I got the moolah as well, you know. So I, I I was proud that I could stand on my own two feet. And every now and then maybe chip in and help my parents or, or just be off of their list of things to financially take care of. That yes. made me happy. That also made me proud. Mm. Yeah. Then after, mm. after the fact, even after that, I mean, when I left Y. Um, that's when I became, when I freelanced full time and the importance of, you know, running your, your budgets, running your money, saving, investing became even more important because now you're not getting the same amount every month. Uh, the amount of money that you receive depends on how many times you've worked in the month. So that's where the accounting and the degree started to work for me. Because there's so much in just running my own money that I learned from that degree and and the comprehension of um, the the financial lingo, the jargon that is used in banks and investment firms, um, you know, knowing that if I get a credit card, which I did, because we all make mistakes, but if I get one, I'm going to do in the long run, uh, you know, so th- that's where my degree really stepped in and especially the latter part of my twenties and now where I'm like, yeah, if I had not studied accounting, I probably wouldn't, I would have managed my money much far worse, far worse than I did. Mm. 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 What would you say? Cause I feel like there's a lot of um, freelancers that listen to the podcast. Mm. What would you say are some of the biggest lessons you've learned in freelancing? Definitely to save. Um, firstly, make sure that you handle your tax, you know, don't get in trouble with SARS because they'll, they come at you with everything they've got. Every check that yep. comes in, you take 25%, you put it away because that's not yours. 
belongs to SARS. So make sure that you are always in good standing with the tax man. And, and, and save, even if it's just 10% of whatever money is coming in. Because remember, in the good months, who can be five figures, 50, 60 grand? <laughs> and then you have this lull of two, three months where it's like 15, 20 if you're lucky, you know. So in, in the good time, you've got to be saving a bit more uh, so that it can help you out in the quieter times. And that's really the balance I had to strike um, as a freelancer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now I want to know about, you know, when you went for your audition to do, um, I believe it was the Lady Raga auditions. Mm. And yeah, I want to know about your journey to becoming, um, a, a sports broadcaster like you are now. Yeah. So when I, did that hit? So I've, well, sports has been in my life. I mean, I played sports. I used to watch football a lot with my dad as well. And my newsroom was very, very sport-orientated. A group of young mm. people, the Tatomiens of the world, Lin Moleko, Jacob Mushokwa, Norton Bali Titani, Turin Cosways, Nigi Wimzegandaba, Samantha Wright. We used to all just banter about sport. Aldrin Sampier was there. Tata Suhumi was there. Uh, and if I have not mentioned someone, oh, please forgive me, guys. <laughs> and yeah. and um you know even in off the back of the 2010 FIFA World Cup we got to host that as well or cover it on why yeah. um and then the beginning of 2011 Tato Mieng left to go join SuperSport now there's a vacancy on the sports desk and Turin is the one that tells the story really well he says he says that after I heard the news I turned around to him and I said Turin I think I'm going to take over the sports desk. And mm-hmm. Exactly what I did. I asked my editor, Machova, um, dude, that was leaving. I'd like to take over sport. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'd like to give it a try. And he's like, okay. And it was, I think, four months later that we saw the ads on on screen in our in our newsroom. We had three TV screens. One was always fixed on Super Sport Blitz, and we saw the ad, and everyone was like, "You need to go! You need to go! You need to go!" <laughs> I was like, "Nah, fam. It was football or netball. What's on tricky thing, you know?" And they're like, "No, yeah, we went to an Afrikaans high school. You understand the culture around rugby, etc." I wasn't immersed in rugby. It wasn't, yeah. I beg your pardon, a sport that would lead our bulletins unless the Springboks were doing really, really well, like 2009, for example. Um, but they convinced me. Then I sat with another friend of ours, Lesejo, and he gave me a crash course. And we just went through all the positions, all the teams, all the super rugby teams, et cetera, et cetera. And then the day came for us to go to Ellis Park for the auditions. And I remember on that day, we were painting an orphanage with another friend of mine, Solomon Sibotoma. And we went with Saul. Uh, Litani to go um, to this orphanage and, and, you know, clean it up and all of that stuff. And we started at Ellis Park and I, I got into the queue. I asked this lady in front of me just to call me when we get closer. Okay, cool. We leave. Now I'm dressed. I'm like ready and raring to go. Um, the lady calls me. I come back to the stadium shop. Now the producer, it's like late, it's like 5.30, the producers have packed up. So now we're going straight to the judges. And then they give me the script. I study the script. Okay, sharp. Go in. Um, I remember it was Crystal Arnold and Derek Alberts. 
those that those were the two challenges at in my audition. Um, and I just stood there and they were like, okay, cue. And I delivered the lines and I stumbled at some point as well, but I just continued. And, uh, there was a camera woman there behind the camera. I was looking into her name is Sia. And the way Sia looked at me when I was done, I was like, oh snap, I think I did something really good. There was just a shift, Sure, you know? It, it, it's the it's it's like the smile on her face. I can remember her face, like just that smile on her face. And then I remember Derek asked me a follow up. I can't remember the follow up. And then he was like, "Okay, you have the green light." And I was the eighth person on the day to get a thumbs up. And that mm. when it really began. So our then we ended up um, from a thousand five hundred. I think it was like top one hundred. Um, top 50, then top 15. So the final was just the 15 of us. And in the end, I came third. Yanina Oberosa came second and Alma Smith won it. Uh, Alma got to go to New Zealand. Yanina did uh, Dogs and Chops. She was presenting that show and there was no prize for coming third. So I thought, okay, finals done and dusted. It's fine. My name is out there, etc. I didn't quite understand the impression I had made. Until a few weeks later, I get a call on my on my phone. Hey, what's up? Hi, it's Erin Ferreira from Supersport. I'm one of the rugby producers. I've seen your tapes. Uh, I think you'd be great for a show that I'm putting together for the World Cup. Like, hey, man. what? Ah, uh, no, man. <laughs> okay, come in for a screen test. Not an audition. Please come in for a screen test. Okay, went for the screen test. And who am I presenting with? Derek Alberts, who was one of the judges that I had auditioned in front of. You lied. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we ended up hosting Super Sports Super Fan. I mean, I watch some of the clips now on YouTube and I'm like, yo, who's this child? Because I look so <laughs> and a little bit timid, a little bit afraid. I remember the first uh, couple of shows, because all the shows were live, nothing was ever pre recorded. And to be live, I've I'd never done television in my life. I, I, I'd only known how to do radio, but to go live, three, four shows in it, you know, and, and, and start to see the progress. And that by the end of the tournament where I feel like, okay, I'm a live sports, and, uh, sports broadcaster was just amazing. It was absolutely mm. amazing, you know. This is, this is, you know, it taught me like even coming third is fine because – the people that needed to see you have seen you. You were, yes. you were, you might have not been the best, but you were just as brilliant. And someone has seen you, and someone has been thoroughly impressed by you so much so that coming third no longer matters. You know, they will still bring you in. They will still want you to be a part of their product. So yeah, that was brilliant. Came third, did the show, and then. Um, I wanted to stay because I was like, oh, I can't just do the show and leave. What is that? <laughs> I'm going to work at Supersport Blitz. So Blitz is the 24-hour news channel. And it's exactly like what we do at Y, except now you have pictures to add to your story. And I started to learn the January of 2012 how to do that. And I think by March, I was working, I was being booked uh, to do Blitz shifts. And it was the same year of the 2012 Olympics in, 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 in London. 
And yeah, give us a bit because now you're doing archery, you're doing equestrian, you know. Oh, yes, yes. The balls, the what, what, sports that like you only hear of in, in, in four year cycles. So that was also a huge, huge training ground for me. But that's essentially how I got into super sport. Yeah. Oh, wow. Like, that is so incredible. <laughs> but one thing that I've noticed with your journey and the way that you tell your story as well is that you're very um, deliberate with like naming the people that have helped you on your journey. Yeah. Like you've named everyone along every step of the way that you've met or that has kind of had an influence on you or helped you out in your journey. Like, why do you think it's important um, I mean, it is important, right? But but like, how like why is it important to you, like community and the people around you? Why is that such a big thing for you? Because we don't win alone. You know, there's there's there will always be people on 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 your journey, and sometimes it's not even the good guys. Sometimes it's the villains that get you to your next level. You know, they're the ones that rub you up the wrong way so much so that you get stuck in to the work that you're doing. Um, they reveal a new side of you, a new fight in you, um, a new power in you that you didn't even know you had. I've had a few of those on my journey as well. People who have frustrated me, who have had me questioning who I am, what I'm up, what I'm about, if I even should be doing the work that I think I should be doing. So every mm. single person on your path plays a role, no matter how small, no, no matter how insignificant it seems at the time. And I think in celebrating myself, I also celebrate the people who were there along with me because there have been many moments where I felt down and then Pelu calls you know, and says, girl, you got this. Just that you've got mm -hmm. is enough to lift me up, you know, and, 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 he, and let me know that I can, I can still go on and I can still be great. And the people that I've mentioned, and there are many that I haven't mentioned, I mean, crew members, directors, producers, who have made it their business to see me being great. And they don't have to. That's the other thing. They don't have mm. to. They choose to be a part of your story. They choose to be the a part of the good side of your story, you know, because we really don't ever achieve anything alone. Um, I watch tennis. It's one of my favorite sports as well. I watch Serena Williams just smashing people. But even she'll tell you that without her coach, Patrick, she can't get there. Without her family support, without her husband, her mother, her sister's, um, her little one, you know, even when, when, even when we are the only name on the trophy, I recognize that my name can be there because of the, the work and the favor that I've received from other people. And I celebrate them because it takes nothing yeah. away from me. Mm. Mm. I, I really love that. I love, mm -hmm. I love that. So what have been some of the your your biggest highlights of your journey, but also the lowlights of your journey? Yeah. Biggest highlights, your career highlights are nice, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um uh the definitely covering the Laureus World Sports Awards. Um I did the one in 2015 in Shanghai, China. It was my first time. Mm. Um 
going overseas and going overseas on the on the company's dime. So they are sending me uh, to cover the Loris World Sports Awards. It's like the Oscars of sports awards, the best of the best, oh. the creme of the world. Um, show up and descend on one city, and and we celebrate the teams and individuals um, that that did well the, in the in the previous year. And Shanghai, China was. It was a cultural experience, but it was also an experience about working away from home, being overseas, filing the long hours that you spend editing and making sure that you're sending packages home. Um, then I went to Berlin in 2016 for, for, for the same awards, and that was just as good. Um, and I could see the improvement in, in, in me mm. as a journalist as a presenter, even as a producer, because you have to look for the angles, you have to look for the stories, you know, and put them all together with your cameraman. And those were definitely big too. My first test match, Springbok test match, on the 19th of November, 2016, it ah. up against the Springboks. South Africa lost on that day. It was a hard day in, in the office and my first one, you know, um, but I think I handled myself really, really well. Uh, the 2017 British and Irish Lions tour to New Zealand, that was significant because I was going to sit in the anchor's chair by myself for 10 matches. I was going to do the entire tour on my own as anchor. And that's never happened before. Um, oh, wow. And, and it's big leagues now. Like it's test match. It's test matches, you know, with the best team in the world against the best of the North. So loved that opportunity. The other highlight was um, Siam Tanda Kolisi's first match as captain in 2018 at Ellis Park. Mm -hmm. Just to be part of that historic moment. Yo, it was, it was incredible. It was incredible. The crowd, the team, us as broadcasters, I think we all just stood in awe of the moment and what it meant not only for rugby in South Africa, but South Africa and Jay, you know. So that's definitely mm. another highlight for me. And then hosting uh, the Rugby World Cup, the entire 2019 Rugby World Cup, when I did eventually join the team and the final. Um, moments I will never, ever, ever forget, you know. Waking up at the craziest hours to show up and be great on air. People enjoying it, crew and us loving every minute of it. And that final where we were literally, I mean, we almost tore Studio 6 apart. We were so excited. We were exhausted during <laughs> the, 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 the closing, the post-panel post, um, the post uh, discussion. We were finished because we were just elated, you know, um, yeah. we just witnessed. Yeah, so definitely another highlight, yeah. Yeah, and the lowlights? Oh, the lowlights, um, you know, making mistakes on air. I think I, I've stopped trying to be a perfectionist. Now my motto is excellence. But when I was, um, it would really get me down making mistakes on air. Um, I would never forgive myself quickly enough. And, and you can almost see the light go out of my eyes. One of the directors actually mm. picked it up and was like, you need to learn to get over the mistakes quickly because a production is a long day. And if you make a mistake in the buildup and you're still thinking about it in the 66th minute in the second half, you, 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 you won't come back to great energy. 
So that's what I had to learn mm-hmm. really early on. And then there was a lull between 2015 and 2016 that that ended up in me having to go back home. You know, I had to go back to staying with my parents, sorting out my financial life. Um, not necessarily because it, it was um, it was that thing we were speaking about earlier about freelancing where um, my lull was over an extended period because the 2015 World Cup ended in October and between about October and February, I wasn't making, I wasn't working on TV. So I wasn't making a lot of money. And by then I'd also stopped doing radio just because I wanted to focus all my energy on television. So yeah, I was Mm. touching out investments, you know, trying to stay afloat until, um, uh, varsity cup rugby returned in February. That's when I started to get back on my feet, but just to have to go home back home where I promised myself I would not return. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. I'd been independent for so long that it, it just felt like the world was coming to an end. And I felt like such a big failure. But again, my parents were just wonderful in that they reminded me, like, this is your home. You know, if you need to regroup, you are here. You come here. We will support you any which way that we can. Um, We'll be there for you. But do not feel ashamed of coming back to regroup. You're not coming back because it's over. You're coming back because you've hit a, a, a bump in the road. You need some time out. You need to rethink, regroup. And, and be about it. I remember I didn't even unpack my bag. Suitcase sack, I was just sitting in my room for, for weeks. And one day I come back and it's empty. My clothes are in my cupboard, my old room. And I'm like, ma, And she was like, this is your home, babe. This is your oh, home. We, we're, we're not um, embarrassed. She's like, I don't know what you're ashamed about. You need to get over that. So that yeah. you can start charting your course back to um the the place where you want to be. So that was a really hard time. It had me even thinking like, should I even be doing television? Should I be, should I not just go and be an accountant? And my mom was like, no, you wouldn't enjoy it. You wouldn't enjoy it. So <laughs> yeah, it's not for you. Time, regroup, household is sharp, or you can always move out. So mm. yeah, yeah the, those were tough times. But the tough times are there to teach you. And again, in hindsight, the best decision was to go home because um, I remembered what it was like to be home, to uh, be with family. It, it reignited the importance of family. It reminded me of why I do what I do. Um, you know, I got closer to my parents again, my niece as well. It, it was just a refreshing. That's what it was. It was a refreshing, mm. refreshing, you know. Um, so. Yeah, so most of my failures clearly were for my good. But when it's happening, <laughs> it's not nice. It know? doesn't feel that way at the no, time. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> and okay, so what would you say to someone who is looking to um, do what you do? I, 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 was, I was about to say to become you, but like, no. There's you, I'm with TDC. There's only one with TDC. But like to do what you do, what would you say to a young girl out there that's looking to do the same? I would say, firstly, you need to be really clear on what it is you want to do in the sporting space Um, and in broadcasting, for example, because it's not just the presenter. 
There's a director, there's a producer, there's a vision mixer, there's a production assistant, there's the graphics team, there's uh, video operators, video technicians, there are engineers, there's audio technicians. There are a lot of people. Lighting is also involved, especially when you're working in studio. So there's a lot of cogs that are in the machinery of putting out a brilliant production on TV. It's not just the presenter. And, and, and what I always tell people who, who ask me for advice is that be clear on what it is you want to do. Don't just see presenting as the only way in or the only job that you can do because you can be just as brilliant producing. You can be just as brilliant mm. directing, you know. So be really clear on what you want your role in the space to be. And then authenticity. Because um, people pick up when you're being disingenuous. They pick up when you're trying to pretend to be someone else. But there's only one. But there's only one. So you've got to yes. be yourself. And 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 the only way I feel people connect with you is when you are being authentic. Then they feel like, oh, this person is her own person. You know, they're not you're not going to be constantly to com- be compared to other people because people can see your personality constantly shining through and let your personality come out. If you're funny, be funny on air. If you're witty, be witty on air because that that's your personality. Don't try to suppress that, you know, because then it's like mm-hmm. robot or, and nobody wants to do that. Yeah. The other thing, of course. Someone once told me, yeah. oh, sorry, someone once told me at work that I'm like, loud <laughs> so loud that's because i'm like I'm, I'm audibly loud like i make a noise <laughs> and i used to try to stop doing that like i would try like to tone down my voice until someone else came in and was like what is going on with you what are you doing like hmm. just be yourself who cares <laughs> if somebody thinks you're loud it's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing <laughs> at all and i really think um we should stop suppressing people just because they don't act in a way that we want them to it's wrong because mm-hmm. it takes away from the essence of you, you know? So mm. yeah, if you're loud, hey, there's room for you. You can even be the stadium announcer, the louder the better. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the louder the better. So definitely be yourself, be authentic. And then your work must just be world-class. There must be no question about it. You must do your research, do your homework, know what you're talking about, be prepared be prepared. Don't show up unprepared. <laughs> auditions, guys, some belief. Do your homework. Know what you're talking about. Know who you're talking about. You know, because we pick it up so quickly. I mean, there are times on TV where you have to hold for a minute. Now, a minute doesn't sound like a long time, but when you are talking for a minute, it's an eternity. <laughs> it really is. And you don't want to waffle. You want to fill that minute with entertainment and information. You want to educate people in that minute. And you can't do that if you're not well prepared, if you don't have extra information that you can give me. Why should I listen to you for a minute if you're just going to waffle? So be prepared and make sure that your work is absolutely meticulous. It must be excellent all the time, all the time, Mm -hmm. all the time. Then no one can come at you funny about anything, really. No one can argue with excellence. No, no, darling. And excellence speaks for itself. You might not be, you might not pop in the first couple of years, but the right people are watching. And one day the right people will have the power and authority to move you to your next level. So keep doing excellent work. And then what I also tell my mentees is um, watch the pros, you know, see what it is that they are doing or have done 
to get to where they are and see what would work for you. Because you don't necessarily have to follow anyone else's um, path step by step. But maybe there's something that one of your faves does that can work for you. Do Maybe they mm. wake up very early in the morning and exercise and you can get into that to clear your mind. Just look at what the pros are doing to get to be where they are and, and see what you can take out that will work for your journey. Because at the end of the day, you're not trying to be them. You're trying to be the best you. That's yes. important. Yes, yes. She's so many, so many gems right there. So many gems. Applicable across industries, I would even say. Like, yeah. I'm taking up so much and I'm in IT. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, at this part of the podcast, yeah, I this is time for my favorite question in the podcast. Um, the reason I asked this question, and I love explaining this. <laughs> I'm sure my listeners are like, every day you explain. But <laughs> I love explaining this because um, the reason I asked this question is because it's related to my favorite quote. Mm -hmm. which is be who you needed when you were younger. Yeah. That is my, that is something I try to live by. Um, I believe that um, when we were younger, th there might've been something we would have wanted to hear or someone we would have wanted to see, um, even if maybe we didn't know it at the time. And I believe that if we needed that back then, then there's somebody today who needs it, Yeah, you know? So I want to know if you could go back, go all the way back, um, actually, it doesn't have to be all the way back. It could be last year. It could be three years ago. It could be 10 years ago. If you could go back and just have a conversation with younger Mutsidisi, what would you say to her? Have more fun. Mm. Yeah. Have a lot more fun. Don't take yourself so seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 take care of yourself it's not selfish to put yourself first you know mm. i think i've spent a huge chunk of my life um looking after everybody else making sure everybody else is okay and there's nothing wrong with that the problem comes in when i am left empty and i can't be I for myself. Does that make sense? Where, mm -hmm. where yep. I'm almost, I don't even feature on my own priority list. And I wish, mm. I wish someone had just smacked me upside the head and told me that a long, long time ago, you know, that sometimes you've got to, you can switch off for five days and go sit in the bush and be about yourself. Um, mm. You know, and I don't have to constantly be draining myself so that the people that I love are okay. I can be that for me first and foremost. Yeah. So I'd have a whole lot more fun. That's what mm. I think. Yeah. Mm. I, uh, when I had another guest on and we were just talking about how it's because what you're saying is similar to what a lot of other guests have said and it's like yo when we were young we were just so worried like when you look back it's, it feels like always so worried and always so mm. anxious and you know mm. yeah mm. we had the weight of the world on our shoulders i think we lived in a time where we were constantly proving ourselves you know mm. even, even even getting an a just didn't seem good enough 
Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, mm. Yeah, trying to always be number one, try to always be at your best and not having time, hoba, mwana, hoba. Mm. Just be a child and have fun and be goofy and silly and to make mistakes and to learn from them. Like it was just perfection, 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 perfection. Um, and and it just steals your your joy. It steals so much time from you. And I think it started to to really show up uh, for me in varsity, where I realized like there must be perfect balance. I'm an ex- I, I, I'm an extremist. Because either I'm all perfection or I'm all fun and I can't, you know, balance the scales between the two. But I would definitely have more fun because I, yeah. work, I worked, I started working very early um, and worked very hard and sacrificed a lot of time with family, a lot of time with my friends as well. I'm really lucky I have the friends that I have that are so understanding of the work that I do and the dynamics of the work that I do, the working hours and working on weekends, etc. But I would definitely have more fun. I'd definitely make more time for them, however which way I could make that happen, you know, and I'd take a lot more time for myself, really, really. Mm, mm. But I mean, yeah, we live and we learn, and I'm sure, like, yeah. you can now give your be like give yourself all of that oh, today. Yes. Oh yes, <laughs> oh yes. My priority yeah. is God and my spirituality. Number two, Mutsidisi. Yes, and Mutsidisi and friends and all that good stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, Mutsidisi, this has been amazing. Thank you so, so much for sharing your story with us. Um, how can our our listeners like get in touch with you or just keep up with your journey? Yeah. Um, you can follow me at Mutsidicm, at Mutsidicm on Twitter as well as Instagram and uh, Mutsidisi Mohana on Facebook. Um, yeah, otherwise Saturday I'm on your television screens. Hopefully we'll be back soon. Um, yeah, the pandemic has really taken, um, it's all on our coverage. We have no local sport, no local rugby at the moment, but as soon as the rugby is back, you for sure will see your girl <laughs> on the television. Yeah. I'm also on Vision View Sports Radio. It's an online radio station, sports radio station. We had vvsr.co.za, vvsr.co.za. I do the breakfast show there with uh, Le Rato Pajo, 6 to 9, every single morning, Monday to Friday. So you can also catch me there. Ah. Yeah. Yes, guys. Nice. And my email address is on all my social media. So if you want to drop me a line, you can do so. You can DM me um, if there's something that you need that you feel that I can provide or, um, you know, insights, wisdom, whatever it is, just just hit me up. Mm. And thank you as well for the invitation and for the She Brigade, you know. I think as women, we sometimes think that we are going through these things alone like we're the only ones alone yeah mm-hmm. and, I, and I find that platforms like these remind us that we're not alone and there are people that have come out on the other side um you know even if they're battered and bruised they've come out on the other side that's the victory and we can mm-hmm. learn so much from one another and from one another's stories so thank you so much for the invitation
Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. As always, we love to engage with all of you, so feel free to pop us an email if you have any feedback or guest recommendations on info at shebrigade.com. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so don't forget to tag us on your posts at SheBrigade. See you next week.